All right, if you have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 14 this morning. Mark chapter 14, going right through the book of Mark. I've enjoyed letting the Word preach. Oh, I also want to present, uh, Brother Randy, while you're standing, I want to present this uh, gift certificate for Brother Howard Turner. He's retiring as our Sunday school greeter. He's been so faithful since Brother um, Wallace is greeting up in heaven right now. And uh, we wanted to give him this as a token of our appreciation because he's had to step down. And it's a uh, free meal at the Cracker Barrel. Amen. I told him I'd go with him if Daisy wouldn't go. Amen. Praise God. Anyway, we appreciate you so much, brother. And he's, a, he's recruited his replacements. And they weren't here today because of sickness. And so I appreciate somebody when they step down, they start recruiting. Of course, with our approval to make sure they're qualified. Even the Sunday school greeters ought to be faithful. So amen. And uh, he's been shaking hands for a long time directing you to your class because a lot of us forgets where our class is, amen, because uh, we're getting older, and so we need all the help we can get, amen. Mark chapter 14, glad to see each one of you here. Brother Travis is celebrating a birthday, you don't look 39, and uh, I think Miss Brunella celebrated a birthday yesterday, and uh, uh, Brother Gary and Miss Eva celebrated 53 years of marriage this week, and he's so tired of marriage, he couldn't make it this morning, amen. But anyway, uh, give Miss... Uh, give Miss uh, Eva, a purple heart after the service. Amen. Praise God. Uh, he's injured. You pray for him. Amen. I tell you what, these mechanics can get injured easy. So let's pray for him. Amen. Mark chapter 14. I like preaching through the Word of God because I know where I'm going. Amen. And uh, I hope that you're faithful. And I appreciate all the visitors. I didn't get on this side to greet our visitors. I'm glad we don't have a step in this place. Amen. It's all level ground. Praise God. People can get in and uh, you can leave quick. And you can get here quick, you can leave quick. Amen. I hope you don't leave quick. I'm glad you're here. And I also appreciate so much the Sunday School uh, series on Job. You ought to get involved in that. You might not think you need it, but you will sooner or later. Say amen. All of us go through troubles. I had a great service with Brother Gary Ledford um, Thursday night. They honored him at Vision, gave him a great offering. And he preached sitting down reluctantly. Because Brother Austin made him sit down, and he just did a great job. And they had testimony after testimony of visiting preachers that he's influenced, including Brother uh, Dan Reed came. And he's so sick, about to have his leg amputated. He's ha having trouble uh, in every way physically, but he made an effort to honor his friend. And I appreciate Brother Dan. He said they were coming up to church last Sunday night, and it started raining down in Ackworth, so he didn't come up. So I appreciate him wanting to come to church here. That's a blessing. So pray for these two dear men of God, very, very sick, and, but they're still preaching on. Amen. All right, let's stand in honor the Word of God. I'm going to read verses 10 and 11, Mark chapter 14. I want to preach a message entitled, The Man Who Kissed the Door of Heaven and Went to Hell. The Man That Kissed the Door of Heaven and Went to Hell. The Bible says in verse 10, And Judas Iscariot. Now, the word and connects it to just what we preached on last Sunday about when God, Jesus was an honored guest at, uh, the, uh, in Bethany, uh, Simon the leper's home. He'd probably been saved and healed, and so he wanted to host, and Mary took her hair down and anointed his feet and his head with oil, and what a great uh, fragrance filled the place, it prepared him for his uh, burial and he was rebuked by a selfish individual named Judas. And Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went unto the chief priest 
to betray him unto them. When they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money, and he sought how he might conveniently betray him. Now skip on down to verse 43 of the same chapter. Mark chapter 14, verse 43. You with me? Love to hear those Bibles turning. Amen? Praise God. Or your cell phone's clicking. Just get on it. Amen? Look at verse 43. And immediately, while he yet spake, cometh Judas, one of the twelve, and with him a great multitude, great multitude with swords and staves from the chief priests and the scribes and the elders. And he that betrayed him had given him a token, a sign, having whomsoever I shall kiss. That same is he. Take him and lead him away safely. Notice the word safely. And as soon as he was come, he goeth straightway to him and said, Master, Master, and kissed him. And they laid his hands on him, and they took him. And one of them that stood by drew a sword and smote a servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. And Jesus answered and said to him, Are ye come out against a thief with swords and with stays to take him? I was daily with you in the temple teaching, and you took me not. That the scriptures must be fulfilled. They all forsook him and fled. There followed him a certain young man, I believe this was Mark, having a linen cloth cast about his naked body. And the young man laid hold on him, and he left the linen cloth and fled from them naked. I want to preach this a few minutes. I've always wanted to preach a few minutes on the man who kissed the door of heaven and went to hell. Just because you're religious don't mean you're saved. Right. Just because you're a member of this church don't mean you're saved. You must be born again. Amen. So I want you to examine your hearts very carefully this morning and don't go to hell like Judas did, fellowshipping with Jesus, serving Jesus, and listening to Jesus many years. Let's pray. You may be seated as I pray. Lord, we thank you so much for everyone here. Thank you, Lord, that this is Lincoln's first service. I know that uh, Blaine and Holly are very thankful for this precious baby. And Lord, I thank you for all your blessings. And I pray, God, for those that could not be here because of sickness. And Lord, I pray that you'd just help us, Lord, to worship you in spirit and truth. God, thank you that you put in our heart a desire to be here, first of all. And God, a desire to hear the word preached line upon line, precept upon precept, and God, principle upon principle that will change our lives. So, Lord, thank you for your word. Use it. Convict those that are religious but lost. And convict us, Lord, to be faithful and loyal followers of Jesus. And we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. I gave you the background to this text. It just had happened. And here was a man, it says in verse 14, and there was some of the... Some had, in, look at verse 4, chapter 14. Within, they had indignation within themselves and said, Why was this waste of an ointment made? Now the word waste is the same word that's used in John chapter 17, verse 12, perdition. Now, I'll tell you what the waste was. The waste was not Mary's. The waster was Judas. He wasted his life. He wasted a lot of opportunities. He went through the motions, but he was lost. And folks, he was very faithful, but he was lost. He was one of the twelve, but he was lost. And God gave him opportunity after opportunity. Eventually, 
He wasted his life and committed suicide that I'll read in Matthew 27 at the end of the message. What a contrast between Mary the worshiper and Judas the traitor. I want you to see, first of all, the agreement in verse 10. It says, And Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went out into the chief priest and betrayed him unto them. And when they'd heard it, they were glad. Judas Iscariot was one of the twelve. I want you to see, first of all, the person in this ungodly agreement to take Jesus to the authorities and have him crucified. And I'm convinced Judas didn't think he was going to be crucified. I believe that Judas thought he was going to get out of it like he got out of a lot of other things. I don't think he knew that he was going to be condemned. And so first of all, I want you to notice the surprising identity. One of the twelve. Judas, look at verse 10. One of the twelve. Matthew Henry said this, It's hard to say whether more mischief is done to Christ's kingdom by the power and policies of its open enemies or by the treachery and self-seeking of its pretenders and, and, and those that claim to be Jesus' friend. In other words, I believe more harm is done by Christians that don't walk the walk and just talk the talk. Christians that are hypocrites, like Judas was, more, more damage is done to the kingdom of God than lost people. We expect lost people to act like lost people. But Christians ought to be different, say amen. amen. Christians ought to have a joy and a peace and a purpose that the world knows not of. We ought to have a dedication and a faithfulness and a loyalty to Jesus that the world thinks is crazy. I see number two, the shameful identity, one of the twelve. I believe with greater spiritual responsibility comes greater shame and and condemnation of one's disobedience. You know, when a preacher falls, there's shame. When a preacher falls into... um, Sin, there's a lot of people go with him. But I'll tell you something, besides preachers, plumbers fall. And I know why. You ever tried plumbing? Amen. <laughs> Boy, it's, it'll drive you to backslide. But, uh, and and, and, and uh, physicians fall, but it always goes when the preacher falls, it gets entertained. Rightly so, friend. Listen, being, on the, being one of the 12 only increased increase the shame. I believe we ought to walk the walk and not just talk the talk. So glad to see Miss Easter here in Butch's home. And I thought about uh, how long it took him to get saved. But praise God, once he got saved, he sat right there. And he's always sat right there, faithful. And that's the way Christians ought to be. Say amen. amen. Nobody has to beg you. By, by the way, if you don't come to church tonight, and you're sitting in your little lounge chair, I want you to think about the preacher tonight that's risking his life and his five little girls' lives going back to China. See, China don't like us. They never have liked us. They're, against, they're anti-Christ. And folks, now they really hate us because of what our president's doing, and I think rightfully so. I don't think it's a free ride for any nation to take advantage of us. But I want to tell you something, friend. He's jeopardizing his life. Right. And the least we can do is come back on Sunday night, put aside the family stuff, put aside the TV, put aside the NFL if it started, put aside the Braves, put aside everything else, and support this missionary. Right. So, I just thought I'd say that. It's a paid political announcement for being faithful on Sunday night. Say amen. And then I see number two, the pursuit of the argument. They went into the chief priest to betray him. Look at it. It says, look at the verse. And Judas Acharis, one of the twelve, went into the chief priest to to betray him unto them. Folks, listen. Uh, He was not coerced. He volunteered. Sorry, Tennessee fans. He volunteered to be a betrayer. He volunteered 
take Jesus Christ to the courthouse when he, there was nothing that he'd done wrong. Then third of all, I not only, only see the, the person of the agreement and the pursuit of the agreement, but I see the perniciousness of the agreement. He betrayed him. I want to tell you something. Perniciousness means lying, deceiving, dishonest, disloyal. It shows he had no character, no decency, and as Job, no integrity. That means doing right when nobody else sees you except God. Do right, do right. If the stars fall, do right. And I want you to see that um, he had no character and he recanted his devotion and sold Jesus out. Then I see the pleasure in the agreement in verse 11. It says, and when they heard it, they were glad. Now, folks, I want to tell you something. Satan's camp's always glad when a Christian falls. Amen? Satan's camp's always going to amplify it, magnify it, and put it in the daily citizen, even though they'll misspell your name, put you in the daily citizen and write you up as one that's fallen. But I want to tell you something, friend. One day at the judgment seat of Christ, those that do not fall and are faithful, you'll be written up as faithful servants. I don't want no glory in heaven. I want him to get all the glory, but praise God, I sure don't want to face Jesus empty-handed. I sure don't want to face Jesus saying, I used to be, and I was going to be. Folks, I want to tell you something. Satan camps rejoice because they have an evil heart. Pride's the root of it. They want him to look bad, so they'll look good. Say amen. Religious people are always manipulating. And then fifthly, all I see, see the, I see the pay of the agreement. Look at verse 11. When they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money. If you'll look at other uh, uh, gospels, it was 30 pieces of silver. He sold out for a puny amount. This is the puniness of the payment. Those that sell out for the world um, will not have big profit. Say amen. Hey friend, Christ said, what is uh, a profit of man if he gained the whole world and loses soul? Folks, one soul's worth the whole world. We sell out we sell out for an extra buck on Sunday. We sell out uh, because we, we want our pleasure on the Lord's day. We sell out sometimes on the crowd gets rough and starts telling dirty jokes. We don't take a stand for God. Folks, we sell out because of our pride. And folks, I want to tell you something, friend. What's it profit a man if he gained the whole world? The, the amount sh shown, 30 pieces of silver, show the contempt for the value of the Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, if we value the Lord, we won't sell out. If we value the Lord, we won't put other things before God, say amen. amen. If we value the Lord, we'll treasure what He's done in our life. He saved your soul after all, say amen. Praise God, you're going to heaven and not hell. He's forgiven you. He's given you purpose and power. And He's even given you grace over yourself. Right. And so you're not living for self, you're living for Him. What a great purpose in life. And then we just say, well, I got something else to do. I got something more profitable to do. Folks, you ought to put a sign on your heart, not for sale. Amen. Not for sale. Your heart should not be for sale. You ought to give more allegiance to God than you do your job. You ought to give more allegiance to your job than you do your family. Say amen. That's what the Bible says, amen. Jesus ought to be first. He not only be first, he ought to be second and third. 
And praise God, you can fit the rest of it in there because if it wasn't for Jesus, you wouldn't have the fourth, fifth, and sixth blessing. You wouldn't have your family. You wouldn't have your marriage. Some of you would not be married today if it wasn't for God's grace. Say amen right there. And so you're going to put your marriage before God? Folks, you wouldn't even have a marriage if it wasn't for God. You're going to put your children before God? Listen, folks, God bless you. Those children is a gift from God, and you ought to put God first, not your children first. And if what you put first can be taken away. Mm, That wasn't too nice. I was going to be real nice. I've been hanging around those camp meters too much this week. But I want to say this, friend. Thank God. Thank God for His blessings. Thank God for salvation. Thank God for His love. I'll just say this, when I was a little old kid in Southern Baptist Church singing at Decatur, Georgia, Wesley Hills Baptist Church, there was a song that we sung called Loyalty to Christ. I don't know why in the world I remember that song. Loyalty to Christ, loyalty to Christ. Man, I'd sing that song, i said, I want to be loyal. Folks, we can't be much, but we can be loyal. We can't sing like Kaylee, but we can be loyal. Hey, folks, we can't deek like the deacons, but we can be loyal. You can't preach like Brother Jason did so wonderfully last Sunday night and Brother Wesley and Brother Ben, but thank God you can be loyal. You can be faithful. Thank God, faithful ushers. Folks, we do it for Jesus, we'll get a reward. You do it to be seen, you'll lose it all. Then I see the planning after the agreement in verse 11. The Bible says they showed the wrong loyalty and dedication because they all sought how they might conveniently betray Him. The planning. The planning. He started planning. The word salt is the same word in verse 1 where the Bible says the scribes sought how they might take him by craft and put him to death. That was God's plan, but it took wicked men to get him there. And your sin put him on the cross. Say amen. amen. And we ought to be indebted to that. He set you free. Amen. Hey, if somebody set you free from prison, wouldn't you at least go by and say amen and, uh, get, and, and recognize their birthday and maybe show up and Eat a supper with them. I remember when uh, Brother Larry got out of jail after being in a rat hole gang and selling his blood for, almost said liquor. You didn't touch that stuff, did you? Uh, drugs. Uh, he used to go often to Frank McCarty's house and Miss McCarty's house and do track work and help them because that dear 83-year-old man came by on a Sunday morning and led him to Jesus, amen. And so when he got out, he went to his house. And thank God the McCarty's recommended our church. They didn't go to our church. They went to another church. I don't know why they recognized the church, but he said, hey, boy, you need to go to Whitfield Baptist Church where Wayne Cofield preaches. I don't know why they said that. Maybe Lester Roloff made them say it. I don't know. But I thank God for it. But, folks, he went around them. He fellowshiped with them. He helped them because he was indebted to them. How much more are you indebted to Jesus because he saved your soul? Judas did some careful plot. He said, I want to seek how to conveniently betray him. The word conveniently means he'd, go, he'll, he'd come at night. Evil loves darkness rather than light. Um, he would be secluded. That's a garden of Gethsemane. We like to think we can go out of town and live like we want to. Think we, the Lord don't know when you're out of town. Folks, the Lord don't know when you're in the back seat and it's dark. Folks, God knows everything, amen? You might be in the dark, and you might be a long way from accountability in your parents, but I want to tell you something, God knows your heart. Lord goes with you to school, say amen. School starts tomorrow, don't it? Hallelujah. 
can't believe that. No, it started last Friday. No, it started Thursday. I don't know when it started, but it started. Amen. <laughs> Y'all enjoying it? <laughs> but I'm telling you this. God knows. God knows who you hang around with. God knows your attitude towards the teachers. God knows if you're listening. God knows if you're cheating. God knows your attitude. I wish I hadn't wasted my senior year. I wish I'd have been more of a witness. I wish I'd have been more concerned about God than I was my scholarship to Georgia State University playing soccer. That's what I eat, drank, and loved. And then one day, God took it all away from me with one swift kick. Didn't walk for 11 months of my life. God knows how to take away your gods. God knows how to take away things that are seemingly more important than God. I prayed to God if I'd ever walk again, I'd walk for Him. I praise God for the discipline He gave me during those 11 months. Didn't heal after four months, I had to go back in and re-break it. Take bone off my hip, that's why I wear suspenders, I forgot them today. And patch my leg. I said again, Lord, I know I ain't learned my lesson yet, so praise God. Now, not all suffering because of sin. Sometimes it's all for the glory of God. It's all to conform you to His image. Say amen. Remember my four C's on why Christians suffer. But let me just close real quick, or begin to close. I ain't going to close this early. All of you think I've turned liberal. But the soldiers at the arrest are interesting people. I want you to turn to verse 43. I didn't intend to go here. But those two verses just wasn't long enough. And folks, here's the rest of the story, Paul Harvey. Look at verse 43. The Bible says, And immediately, while he was yet, he yet spake. Now immediately connects it, and I'll preach on this later, about the uh, prayer meeting in the garden when the disciples are sleeping. 5.30 this afternoon, you're going to be sleeping or you're going to be weeping? 5.30 this afternoon, you're going to be in the house of God praying with God's saints or you're going to be at home watching the last inning. There's a choice to be made. You can be running around this church all active and trying to serve like Martha, or you can be in the prayer room worshiping like Mary. Folks, the prayer room's the key. Your prayer room's the key. And so after this prayer meeting that some went to sleep on, and immediately while he was yet spake, cometh Judas, one of the twelve, and with him a great multitude, and swords and stays, and chief priests, and scribes, and elders, and he that betrayed him had given him a token or a sign saying, Whomsoever I shall kiss, the same is he. Take him, lead him away safely. Safely. He didn't want him to get hurt. He just wanted him arrested. He didn't know the rest of the story. And so, folks, I want you to see the composition of these soldiers. Verse 43 says there were elders, there were priests, there were scribes, and there were the, they were the temple soldiers that did their dirty work. Folks, there were a religious crowd that took Jesus to the cross. And the count of the soldiers was a great multitude. You know what a great multitude is? It's over 500, I know, according to Bible investigation. A great multitude. And so the contrast of that number was there was 11 with Jesus. And only two of them According to uh, Luke chapter 22, verse 38, had swords. Only two of the disciples had swords. So Christ submitted to the arrest. And you know what's so wonderful in John chapter 18, verse 6, when they came to him, maybe after the kiss or before, I'm not sure, 
and said, Where's Jesus? He said, I am. The translator's putting the E in italics, but he said, I am. And folks, when he said, I am, you know what happened? This is so good. Those 500 soldiers or so, elders and priests, fell on their backs like turtles in the middle of a hot highway. Amen. And they were helpless at the word, I am. Say amen. That'll get a Presbyterian shout and say amen. Woo! I am. Boom. <laughs> Judas must have said, mm, I might be in the wrong camp. I think Judas was getting up too. Just hit his backside. Pardon the expression. Christ submitted to the arrest though because he was submitting to Calvary for you. He loves you. He went all the way to Calvary for you. He bore your sins. That's how much He loves you. You're indebted to Him. I'm indebted to Him. Folks, we need to be loyal. At least we can be as loyal. I mean, faithful. Say amen right there. See, I see, uh, sixthly, I believe it is, the sign of His arresting. Verse 44 Here's a token he gave him. Look at verse 44. It says, I pray him had given him, them a token saying, Whomsoever I shall kiss, the same as he, take him and lead him away safely. Folks, that word <clears throat> token means sign. So I'm going to give you a signal. When I kiss him. And the pretense in the sign was also when he said that in verse 45, he said, Master, Master. I believe he said it as affectionately as he can muster up. <clears throat> it is sad when you know somebody don't walk the walk and they try to sing the sing. I'm going to tell you and I'm going to promise you this. The Morrison sisters come from a good church. And they're good girls. They're not perfect. They're a lot like your girls. But they're good girls. And folks, I want to tell you something. Brother Wesley, he loves preaching. Because I know where he's from. And folks, you're not going to hear no hypocrites or no diesel sniffers on Tuesday night that don't go to Sunday school on church because they're singing. Say amen. I like it when people walk the walk and sing the sing and they back it up with their walk. I like it when preachers back up their preaching with faithfulness. I've tried to be faithful over the years. I've tried to be faithful to visit every week. I'm going to tell you something. Now that my wife's just had a birthday, it's getting harder to visit every week. Y'all get that later. I'm older than her. But I'm going to tell you something, friend. I don't see no place to park. Say amen. I don't see no place to quit. Somebody asked me the other Sunday, I said, when are you going to retire? I said, I don't even know. I guess when I can't do the job. I know Jason preached a great message that night, but I ain't ready to quit. Amen. Amen. I, I told him he can preach every Sunday night, but I'm going to preach Sunday morning. Praise God. As long as I got breath, I want to be faithful. Amen. God leads me somewhere else, I'll go. And folks, I want to tell you something. I believe that we ought to do everything we can to stay faithful. And that means we need to discipline ourselves. We need to turn from the world. We need to take care of ourselves, say amen. We need to go to rehab all the time, Brother D. 
Daryl, we need to exercise. We need to diet. Oh, I'm preaching now. This is one part I'm probably not living. But anyway, we need to, we need to take care of ourselves. We're the temple of God. That's why I preach against smoking. It's, it's a death by the installment plan. I think we ought to not overeat. Ain't an amen in this place. Praise God. Preacher one time says you ought to fuel yourself, not fill yourself. Well, I don't know if all the my tank's on full until I'm full of myself. <laughs> Woo, was that good desserts last Tuesday. But thank God, friend, we have a responsibility. We don't have a pretense of friendship, a pretense of loyalty. We need to be loyal. And you can be faithful. You can encourage the preacher when you come. I don't know where my best listener is, brother. Andrew, but I miss him when he's not on that front pew. He listens so much, he corrects me when I make a mistake. <laughs> well, you said, I said, well, praise God, that's not the first mistake I'll make. Hallelujah. But he listens intently. That encourages me. And folks, I want to tell you something. This kiss was affectionate, verse 45. It was eager. And all of us want to say this. What grace Christ had to accept this kiss. But may I say with authority of the Word of God, he kissed the door of heaven and he went to hell. He joined every church in Dalton, but he went to hell. He's an usher in Whitfield Baptist Church, and he, but he went to hell. He taught the Bible in Sunday school, but he went to hell. He performed miracles, but he went to hell. He preached, but he went to hell. <clears throat> Folks, there's a pretense that'll condemn you to hell. Saying one thing and living another. Come on. Some of y'all look interested at that point anyway. And I want to tell you something. The most miserable person in this room is one that says they're saved and doesn't live it. Lost people don't know no better. A lost person sins. He's a sinner. I'll tell you, a Christian ought to be his disciple. Ought to be his disciple. What grace it took to take that kiss, that affectionate kiss. That's what the word means, affectionate. And so hear those words, master, master. Because he knew what was ahead, and he knew who was going to do it. And I don't think he was predestined to hell either. I think he could have got saved, but he chose not to. God would have used another devil if he'd have got saved. Say amen. Right. Then I see the seizing and the arrest. Look at verse 46. I got I to gotta go. I don't know where I'm going to go, but y'all got to go. It says, they laid their hands on him and took him. It was unlawful. It was unkind. It was ungrateful. and It was, un, it was disrespectful. And, etern and, and eternity will show how disrespectful it was that they laid their hands on the Son of God and ushered Him to a cruel cross and beat Him to a pulp beyond recognition, Isaiah said 743 years before the fact, for you and for me. He died in my place. He took my sin debt. I could not pay it, but He paid it with His precious blood. Amen. And they laid hands on Him and I see in verse 53 that the Bible says, And they led Jesus away to the high priest, and with him 
there was assembled all the chief priests and the elders and the scribes, and they were laughing. Matthew 26, verse 53 says he could have called 12 legions of angels. That's 22,000 angels. But let me just say this, friend. It wouldn't took 22,000 to wipe out that 500 or so. One angel could have spoke, slayed them all. In the Old Testament, when people started trembling for their life, was when an angel showed up. Say amen. But he submitted. Are you submitting to the Lord or are you giving in to your friends this year at school? Are you submitting to the Lord and being separated, sanctified, thrilled, filled, satisfied with Jesus? Or are you going to blend in with the crowd? Then I see the severing and the arrest. Look at verse 47. And one of them that stood drew a sword and smote a servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. You know who that one person was. His name was Peter. Folks, Peter acted with emotions instead of intellect. You do not cut somebody's head off when there's 499 behind him. Say amen or so. I don't think he was acting with intellect. He's acting dumb. Capital D-U-M-B, dumb. He'd just done it a few hours before in the upper room when he refused to wash Jesus' feet, John 13, 6 through 8. I ain't going to wash your feet. And when Jesus explained, he says, I'll wash everything. Sorry. But he cut off his ear. And I want to say the miracle of that, Jesus picked up that ear. I was talking to Amy this morning. I said, you don't sound like you can't hear. She said, oh, Daddy. She was speaking real good. They laid open her ear and put two holes in her skull and got that ear back to Back to going, thank God, we pray. it. She, she don't know yet because it's still fogged up a little bit. But I thank God for you praying for my daughter in South Africa. I praise God for the good surgeon. I don't have much confidence in doctors, but I got confidence in Jesus. Amen. But folks, I want to tell you something. He cut that guy's ear off. And Jesus said, wait a minute. Pick that thing up. Put it back on. And I guarantee that was his best ear from then on. Say, <laughs> Amen. Hey. Jesus touches something, it's good. Amen. And I want to tell you something, friend. Peter better thank God for that healing because if he hadn't healed him, Peter would have got mutilated in just a second because he wasn't thinking. I'll protect you. He's never been good protection for the Lord, I'll tell you that. And then I see the scolding in verse 48 after the arrest. Excuse me, verse, 40, yeah, verse 48. And Jesus answered and said to them, Are you come out as against the thief with the swords and with the stays to take me? I was daily with you in the temple teaching, and you took me not, but the scriptures must be fulfilled. Amen. Folks, listen. Uh, the weapons in the arrest portrayed Christ as a dangerous criminal. They all came with swords. The weir, uh, they were cowards. They didn't go in the open to arrest him. But thank God for the scripture. Bible says in Zechariah chapter uh, 12, I believe it is, um, I mean years and years and years before uh, Jesus or Judas was ever born on this earth, it says, I said unto them, chapter 11 of Zechariah, verse 12, I said unto them, if you think good, give me my price, if not, forbear, for they weighed for my price 30 pieces of silver. 487 years for the fact, he said, it's going to be 30 pieces of silver. So Jesus said, go ahead and fulfill the scripture. 
Then we see the scattering after the arrest. In verse 50, the Bible says this, And they followed him a certain young man having a linen cloth cast about his naked body, and young men laid hold on him, and he left the linen cloth and fled from them naked. And the Bible says they all, and there followed him, a, they all uh, were scattered. Look at verse 50, And they all forsook him and fled. The treachery, they forsook him. The terror, they fled for their lives. Living for Christ is not for the faint-hearted. It takes courage to be a Christian. It takes courage to stand when you'll be rejected at school. It takes courage to stand on the job when they tell the dirty jokes and you don't laugh and you walk off and say, that's my God you're taking in vain. It takes courage to be a man of God. It takes courage to raise your children right. It takes courage to go soul winning. It takes courage to show up at the prayer meeting when you're sleepy. It takes courage to take a stand for God. But they fled. They'd been with him for three years. They fled. And I see, last but not least, the sorrow at the end of Judah's life. I want you to turn to Matthew 27 and close. And I've got about 10 minutes. I don't close at 12. Never have. But I closed shortly, shortly after that because some of y'all's attention spans not much more than 45 minutes. And mine, ain't, mine ain't either. But look at Matthew chapter 27, verse 3. Then Judas, which had betrayed him when he saw that he was condemned. See, he really didn't think he was going to be condemned. Matthew 27, verse 3. You with me? Say amen if you're there. Amen. Repented himself. Didn't say he repented for salvation. He repented himself and brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders saying, I have sinned in, in that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, what is that to us? See thou to that. No, we don't care. We talked you into it. That's all we care. And then he says, and he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. Went and hanged. Folks, he had remorse in verse 3, but he didn't have godly sorrow. The cause of his remorse was this, when he saw they condemned him. When he saw Christ was condemned to die. Evidently, Judas' plan was that he would be uh, arrested, but that he would get out of it because he saw him year after year, moment by moment, get out of all kinds of, of uh, dangerous situations. He said, well, this will be another one. He won't really go to the cross. When Christ did not escape <clears throat> and was condemned to die, Judas was overwhelmed with remorse. Judas made the mistake of underestimating the harm of sin. The harm that it causes others and the harm that causes yourself. See, folks, sin will take you a lot lower than you ever thought it would. It'll keep you a lot longer. And I'll just say this, it'll hurt others more than you ever thought it would. God help us not to be a stumbling block this year, teenagers. God help us to be a stepping stone. Can somebody say amen? God help us to be a witness. Not a question mark. God help us. He underestimated the harm that sin would cause. Sin sent Jesus to the cross. It wasn't just Judas's sin, it was your sin. And so sin should be an exceedingly sinful, say amen. 
It'll hurt you when you sin. Because it'll hurt others and it'll surely hurt your children. If you don't live it, parents, who's going to show your children a good example of holiness and Christ-likeness? If you don't walk it, who's going, to, who's going to show? You're going to depend on some teacher? You're going to depend on some employer? Hey, you're going to depend on some preacher or deacon? Folks, you've got to be dependable yourself to be the parents that God's called you to be, and that's a set of pattern that sin does not pay. But Christ loves them. And He'll take care of them. So the confession was innocent blood. Look at verse 4. I'll close. Saying, I have sinned, I have betrayed the innocent blood. Amen. Hey, Judas ought to know he was with him the whole time. He knew he'd never sinned. He knew he was the perfect Lamb of God. He knew that was innocent blood. He knew he was the Lamb of God. And folks, he knew he'd done wrong. And so then we see not only the confessing and the remorse, and the, but we see the casting. He... His gains and rewards of sin eventually turned sour and threw it down. Let me just say this real quick. Sin's going to turn sour. Go ahead and be permissive, permissiveness in your life, young men, young ladies. It'll turn sour. Oh, I'm having a baby. It'll turn sour. Oh, I'll get married at 16. It'll turn sour. Hey, I'm popular. I'm cool. It'll turn sour. See, sin never pays. But Christ will bless. Just wait on God. Say amen. Just wait on God. Folks, we see the confession, innocent blood, but we see the casting. Then I see the character of this remorse. In verse 3 it says, And Judas, which had betrayed him when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself. Repented himself. Some people read that and say, oh, Judas got saved. No, Judas didn't get saved. The Bible says that in John 17, the son of perdition. He could have got saved. I believe that with all my heart. Whosoever can be saved. Amen. If you're a Calvinist, you think he couldn't get saved. Well, you're wrong, buddy. Jesus loves everybody. Amen. And that was his free choice to be a Judas. That's right. Amen. The confession, innocent blood. The casting, but the character. He turned to the Savior too late. The repentance, true repentance brings salvation. But this worldly repentance does not turn to salvation, it turns to suicide. True repentance improves one conduct, but Judas' repentance increased his sin. He committed suicide. That's a sin, by the way. Don't play God. God's the only one that will be able to take your life. True repentance seeks forgiveness from God, but Judas did not ask for forgiveness. Judas' repentance was nothing but a dislike for the consequences of sin. It was worldly sorrow. I'm sorry I got caught. I'm sorry I hurt somebody. But it was not godly sorrow that turned to Jesus as his Savior. It's sad. He could have got saved. He should have got saved. And folks, I want you to see in conclusion the rope in verse 5. Cast down the pieces of silver of the, of the temple and departed and went out and hanged himself. The guilt of sin will take you lower than you ever thought it would. It can lead men to suicide. 
I wish psychologists would get this and other worldly counselors. They don't understand one fact. Sin will drive a person crazy. Sin will drive a person to despair. Sin will drive a person to eventual death. Sometimes even premature. Sin is the problem. We need to deal with sin. We need to deal properly with counseling. Counseling is not Freudian counseling that it's your mama's fault because she dropped you on your head when you was two. It's reality therapy. It's sin. Deal with it and repent. Or here it is. Jesus is the answer. Amen. God is the comforter. Amen. And folks, without Jesus, you'll never have comfort. Without Jesus, you'll never have sanity. Without Jesus, you'll never have peace. You will let the devil drive you crazy. I'm preaching now. Somebody back me up. Oh, friend, I've seen it. I've seen it over and over and over again. And there's no comfort when people don't repent of their sins. There's no comfort when there's not salvation. And there is no comfort when Christ is not lifted as Lord of your life. He's God. He deserves all loyalty, all respect, and all your life. Well, it's my life. I'll live it if I want to. I want to tell you something. It's not your life. God never said it was your life. You're bought with the price. Therefore, glorify God with your body and your spirit, which are God's. You're not your own. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. So the solution was Jesus. But he chose suicide. And the consequence was because of his sin. Now let me just make this statement. I'll close. Close my Bible so I won't open it back up. That's a preacher sometimes does that. Don't be a person that kisses the door of heaven and goes to hell. I'm not saying everybody that commits suicide is lost either. But I want to tell you something, friend. It's a lost opportunity because the devil will drive you crazy. The devil will drive you to despair and he'll snap your mind where you don't think there's any hope and no reason to live. Some of you have been there. Friend, I want to tell you something. All Judas had to do Turn to Jesus. But he kissed the door. John 10, 9, Jesus said, I'm the door of heaven. And he went to hell. Father, use this message. It's not been a happy message, but I think it can be a helpful message. And I ain't here just to preach happy bubble messages. I'm here to help people be happy. And the only way they're going to be happy is if they're be holy. Lord, I thank you that we can abide in you and your words abide in us and we can ask what we will and it shall be done unto us, John 15, 7. But John 15, 11 says, These things have I written to you that your joy might be full and that my joy might remain in you. There's no way to be happy without abiding in him. Lord, help us to learn a lesson from the man that kissed the door of heaven and went to hell from Judas and his tragic ending and the sad testimony that he is and he still is today.
contrast to Mary's offering of love, respect, of worship, of selflessness, as she gave all she had. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for showing us the valleys and the dark times so we'll be warned not to go there. 